morning, I'm going to share a little story with you. It's a story about one Sunday morning when a mom packed up four of her five young children and she headed to church. The middle child, she was a young girl, about four years old, and this was her very first time attending church. She was curious, but she was also a bit nervous about what to expect. The shy little girl, she just hid behind her mom as they approached the small class. And there were only a few other children inside. But curiosity eventually got the best of this little girl, and she decided to take a look at what was happening in the room. Her attention was immediately focused on the older lady in the room. This lady reminded her of her grandma. She had a warm smile, and she had this really sweet and calm voice. And she invited the little girl to join in. The little girl, she went in and she sat down and began to listen and learn. She probably played for a bit, maybe colored, did some crafts, learned a new song. And then she was handed a Bible. Now this Bible was pretty big for her, especially because she couldn't even read. But the sweet lady opened up the Bible, pointed to a story, and began to teach. And this little girl was hooked. For the next year, she couldn't wait for Sunday mornings to come. It was quickly becoming her favorite day of the week. I wanted to share this story with you because this past week, St. John's went back to school. And as the mother of a young man starting off at a brand new school this year, who had not been in person for over a year and a half, I was quite nervous for him. And I was just hoping that someone would help him feel just like this woman made this little girl feel. I prayed that somebody would help him, that somebody would connect with him. I really wanted someone to sit with him at lunch. Someone who would make him feel like he belonged. And I would imagine that most of you remember feeling a similar way when you were in school, or maybe when your children were in school. Now I know, for some of us in this room, that may have been a while ago. But don't let that be the reason that you don't connect to the message today. You see, it doesn't matter if you have children or not, this message is for you. Because you are here, you are part of Redeemer Church. And that means that you have the responsibility and the capability to inspire others just as this lady did in the story. You may be thinking, but look around. There's not a lot of little kids here. And that may be true, but it doesn't have to be true forever. After all, many of you can remember a time when this building was filled with people of all ages. Never underestimate your capacity to influence others and share your faith with them. So my husband, Justin, and I moved to St. John's in May, and we absolutely love it here. I was talking to someone recently who was also from St. John's, and he asked me very seriously, why would you move to St. John's? No one ever moves back to St. moves to St. John's unless they grew up here. And this statement really surprised me, because we have had nothing but good experiences since we've been here. Okay, except for the Wi-Fi is a bit spotty, you guys. <laughs> and it gets really dark at night. We're used to those big city lights. But in all seriousness, it has been a great experience. And we are so thankful that God led us here. Over the past few years, we've been exposed to this community very gradually, through different events and through attending worship here. 
Justin and I have both had the opportunity to speak here um, each a couple times over the past few years. Each of those trips here helped us to want to be a part of this community. So never underestimate your capacity to have an influence on others because you have all certainly had an influence on us. I say all of this because sometimes just a warm welcome, a friendly smile, a conversation while passing out Halloween or parade candy, serving with others at St. Vincent, or a suggestion to eat at the Crave Shack can make lasting impression on others around you. How you interact, serve, pray for, invite, and inspire others around you those in your community and beyond, can help grow God's kingdom here on earth. He is not done yet. In church, specifically Redeemer Church, I believe is a vital part of God's plan, and it's exciting to be invited to be a part of it. We all have a starting point, and some of us know that exact moment when we are introduced to Christ. And for others, it may just be a part of what we've always known. For my family, church has always been a priority for us. And I'm not sure if we ever really discussed it, but it was just something that we did. Even before we started working for Redeemer. We have seen firsthand how my children's faith have been influenced by so many others who have invested their countless hours and poured their gifts into them. I'm emotional because my kids are here today, and I didn't expect that. I'm so sorry. As a family, we have had to make some really tough choices in regard to the level of commitment. I need to gather myself. <laughs> So we've had to make a lot of tough choices in regard to the level of commitment that we would give to other activities on Sundays. My kids love sports, and being active is very important to my husband and I. But we were committed to raising our kids in church, even when that meant saying no to travel leagues, some Sunday races, and even some family events. We had to be here because we worked on Sundays, so it really wasn't something that we could ever budge on. But each time that a conflict would arise, we would revisit our priorities. And making this decision when our kids were all under the age of seven was fairly easy. But as they got older, it became more challenging. Having to say no, having to, say no to so many other good things on Sundays was really hard at times. But we always knew that saying yes to Sunday mornings and to serving at church was the best for our family. And it still is. And I say all of this because I often wonder where this idea came from. Looking back, I know that God planted that desire inside us. There was a longing for us to connect with him and to raise our children to know and experience him. We didn't really know how to do that other than by attending church, so that's what we did. Proverbs 4, 1 through 13. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. 
for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instruction, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commandments, and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. And she will place a lovely wreath on your head, and she will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back, and when you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. This passage was written by King Solomon who is known to be a very smart guy. He is giving instructions to his children on how to live a wise life. Can you imagine this scene? Take a moment and picture it with me. It is story time with Solomon, and all of his children are gathered around him. For the wisest of the wise, telling them all of the secrets to being wise. Let's not forget that King Solomon was gifted with wisdom from God, and he also learned much of what he knew from his father, King David, the greatest king to ever live. And these children got to learn from those two. Now I imagine that if I were there, then I would be sitting in the front row, and I would have my notebook, my colored Sharpies, my Bible, and my iPhone there, just to make sure that I was able to capture everything that was being said. And I would be sure to choose a seat that wasn't too distracting, so I'd be far enough from the younger siblings. And I would also highlight that part in Proverbs when Solomon mentions, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. And this would be something to look back and remember later when I turned 40, as I did a few years ago. So the awesome thing is that just like Solomon's children, we get to read these words from King Solomon today. These are things that he was taught to him by King David, and to learn all of the secrets of being wise. We would be fools to not pay attention. Verse 7 says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing that we can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Author and pastor David Guzik says, wisdom is the principal thing. King David communicated more than just acts of wisdom. He wanted his son to love and value and honor wisdom. People often regard money or fame or romance as the principal thing. But God's people should give a higher price to wisdom. <coughs> so what exactly is wisdom? And how do we gain it? The basic idea behind wisdom is skill. The term wisdom is used in the Old Testament to describe the abilities of skilled workers. These were people like garment makers, craftsmen, or goldsmiths. 
For we discover in the book of Proverbs that the word wisdom is used to describe the skill of living in a way that honors God. Wisdom is one of those qualities that can be difficult to define because it encompasses so much. But it's something that people generally recognize right when they see it. A few years ago, one of my children asked us, who is the wisest person that you know? And initially, this seems like a fairly simple question. We said answers like teachers or coaches, older relatives, and of course, Pastor Rob. But the more we thought about it, the trickier the question became. The why behind our response was hard to explain. Why did we think of these people as wise? What was it that made them wise? Was it their knowledge? Was it their experience? Was it their character? Their personality? Or was it their faith? What about you? Who is the wisest person that you know? What is it that makes them wise? According to Solomon in Proverbs 1-7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. And in this verse, fear is another word for reverence, deep respect, or worship, which suggests that wisdom begins when we properly acknowledge who God is and then we offer him the worship that he deserves. It reminds us that life's true significance is discovered when we approach God with an attitude of humility and awe, not one of dragon's legs. Solomon realized that wisdom and knowledge of the things of God should bring a person closer to God and therefore help them to develop good judgment. So if wisdom begins when we properly acknowledge who God is and then we offer him the worship he deserves, what are ways that we can learn to do that? This morning I'm going to suggest four primary ways. The first way is like many of you, it's going to church. It's what you're doing right now. And this is exactly where Justin and I started. It was important for us to set an example for our children. But more importantly, it was essential in helping us to grow in true wisdom and in the knowledge of God. And by making a commitment to attend church on a consistent basis, we were making a commitment to growing in our faith. Have you ever been out in the community and bumped into somebody um, at a restaurant or a store and they haven't been in church for a while? They usually say something like, sorry, I haven't been at church. It's just been really busy, and I plan on going when life slows down. We've all had that. If I'm being honest, this really used to bother me a little bit. But it doesn't anymore. Because if they see me and somehow connect me with church and ultimately God, then that is awesome. If any of us are out in the community and someone recognizes us from church, hopefully they are thinking about God too, in that moment, whether they are at a soccer game, a restaurant, or a gas station. People have a longing to connect with their creator. Even when they aren't sure how to do this, they know that by coming to church, they can connect with God and with other Christians. 
the author of Hebrews writes, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the time of his day is drawing near. Attending church is a place where connection with God is challenged, it is strengthened, and it grows. We experience community worship and teaching, which ultimately leads us to growing in wisdom. The second suggestion I have today is to study scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 15-17 says, You have been taught by holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So read your Bible. It's that simple. But it actually can be quite difficult. When we're teaching the students, we tell them all the time to open their Bible and to read it, to study it, and discover what it says for themselves. I'm not sure if you know this, but at Redeemer, we hand out six age-appropriate Bibles to each child, first through sixth grade, for this very reason. Now, I try to do my best to honor God and teach truth through Scripture. But I don't want others to believe something simply because I've said it. I want them to believe it because it's what God says. And the only way that they can do this is to read, explore, and discover the truth that is written through the pages of the Old and New Testaments. And the more that I read and study, the more the Holy Spirit moves within me to be a better teacher to those around me. And the same is true for you. Even when the Bible is hard to understand, it's comforting to remember that the same spirit that was with the authors as they were writing each book, chapter, and page is alive in you as you are reading it. So the third suggestion I have today is to pray. Now, there is a lot to say about prayer. The Bible mentions the word pray over 400 times, which makes it very clear how important prayer is. And we can gain wisdom through our conversation, and prayer is a conversation with God, our Heavenly Father, and our Creator. Spending time in prayer with the one who created us is both humbling and effective. So talk to God. Spend time with God. And ask him for wisdom. James 1, 5, and 6 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So it's okay to ask God for wisdom. However, we are cautioned here to be faithful when asking. In other words, 
Don't ask for wisdom while disobeying his other commands. Believing in God and being faithful to him means we also obey his commands. Now the fourth and final suggestion I have this morning is to share with others. So as parents, we don't always know how to teach teach and lead our own children. As friends, we aren't sure how to use the Bible to help lead someone through a difficult time. As co-workers and family members, we aren't always so confident in how we pray for each other. But by connecting with others in a local church that, who have that knowledge and experience, we can gain wisdom from them. And we can also share our wisdom with others. Proverbs 4 makes it very clear how powerful a parent's role is in the child's faith formation. David taught Solomon, who taught his kids, and it has been passed on from generation to generation ever since. And somewhere in that line, it was passed on to you and to me. Maybe it was from a parent or a grandparent. Or maybe for you it was from a friend or a neighbor or a sweet lady who reminded you of your grandma and taught you what a Bible was. Not everyone in this room is a parent, but you do have a connection and an influence with others. Never underestimate your capacity to gain and share wisdom with those around you, especially those that you are connected to within your, within your local church. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of teaching? Then teach as though God himself were teaching through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All four of these ways, attending church, reading your Bible, praying, and sharing with others, work together to help others grow in their faith and to help them to gain wisdom. Our kids, grandkids, friends, and neighbors are trying to navigate the pressures of the world, and it is extremely difficult to do that on their own. And I know that I alone cannot change, fix, or solve many of their problems or their difficult situations. But how much harder it would be to navigate these daily pressures without the knowledge and hope that we find in Jesus Christ. Parents, grandparents, sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, and friends. We have a responsibility to one another. It doesn't matter where you live, It doesn't matter what your profession is, what age you are, or who you are. We are all called to seek wisdom, to properly acknowledge who God is, and then to worship him fully. And then use that wisdom to help those around us. Remember that little four-year-old girl I mentioned earlier? Well, her days of attending Sunday school didn't last very long. Unfortunately, her parents decided to quit going. However, the little girl was able to stay connected through a weekly program held at another church on Monday nights. 
Each week, the girl had to work up enough nerve to ask her parents to pay for it. And she quickly learned that if she asked a friend to go, her parents were more likely to say yes. So that's what she did for the next two years. And this particular program encouraged um, kids to memorize verses. And if they memorized all the verses in the workbook, then they would earn a trophy. And so that's what she did. She worked really hard at memorizing the countless scripture verses. In fact, her mom even recorded the verses on tape so that she could listen to them in the car and when she fell asleep at night. And eventually she earned that trophy. And then that was the end of her attending church for several years. And she didn't return until she became a mom herself. And upon entering church for that first time as an adult, she felt much different than she did when she was four. She was still very nervous. But she brought in so many other feelings. She brought a lot of shame and guilt. She brought a lot of questioning and doubt. And she definitely knew she did not belong there. But she decided to keep going anyway. One Sunday, the pastor was reading from the Bible, and he said words that were very familiar to her. It was a verse that she had learned long ago, and all of a sudden, that joy and awe and wonder that she experienced when she was four years old came rushing back to her. And she fell in love with Jesus all over again, and she hasn't stopped seeking him or his wisdom ever since. So I don't know why my mom took me to church when I was four years old or why my Sunday school teacher was so nice to me. I don't even know the reasons why my family quit going or why in the world I wanted to memorize so many verses. In fact, I have no idea why I wanted to walk back in as a mom. And if you look around this room, Many of us don't know each other's stories either. We don't know why you came to church for the first time or what brought you back today. We don't know or understand some of the feelings and the baggage that you bring with you as you sit down and prepare for worship. We all have a story to tell. We all have a story that matters. And it's a story worth telling Because your story can inspire, motivate, and encourage others. God gifted you with your story. Be sure to use it wisely. Coming to church does require sacrifice. Reading this big book, when it seems like half of the stuff and it makes no sense, is really hard. Praying and talking to someone that we can't see or we can't hear can be kind of weird. Then looking and taking all of that stuff and sharing it with others seems nearly impossible. But I encourage you to keep on reaching out, to keep connecting with others, to invite others, and to inspire others. Because there are a lot of people in this great community who are desperate to hear the truth. They are desperate to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Thank you, God, 
for your unfailing love and your perfect wisdom. We ask for your guidance and patience as we seek to honor and praise you with our whole lives. We are so grateful for you, and we love you so much. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.